How are we doing, Rich Church? Good, 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 good. My name is Bobby. I am a lead pastor here at the Ridge, and we're so glad that you guys are here today on this Memorial Day weekend. Uh, you put Dollywood and Splash Country and the lake off for at least an hour, and we're excited about that. So uh, thanks for that. I'll see you at Dollywood later. But um, maybe not. I don't know. But we'll see. So anyway, uh, we are in this series called Chain Breaker, and uh, we're actually finishing this series up today. And so if you've not had a chance to, to get caught up with this series, then I just encourage you to go online to ridgechurch.cc and, and catch up on this Chainbreaker series. It's about a five-week series uh, that we're uh, finishing up today. And so you can go there. Or uh, if you have uh, your smartphone, Android or iPhone, just go to your app store and download the Ridge Church app, and you can uh, listen uh, on the Ridge Church app as well. Um, we, uh, I was actually I was talking to our uh, Connections pastor, Jonathan Haskell, uh, the other day, and we were uh, chatting, and uh, we were talking about just some of the, the crazy things that have happened in, in here at Ridge Church over, over the years, and so we thought that we would write a book called, Yep, That Just Happened, uh, Stories from the Ridge, and so we'll just add that one to chapter three, right? We'll just, we'll put that there, so congratulations, Brad and Tara, we love you guys, and we're, we're excited uh, for you guys, and so uh, Brad, obviously, Loves Tara. Tara loves Brad, right? We, we saw that. There, there are things that you and I, all of us, love. And, and, and there are things that, that we love outside of, you know, our relationship with our families, our, our spouses, our, our children, you know, God, you know, outside of those things. Like, there, there are things outside of those things that we love. For example, I love football. Love it. L- absolutely love football. Now, I am unapologetic. Can I talk today? Like, what is my problem? Unapologetically a 49ers fan. NFL, okay? That's right. All right, yes, somebody. There we go. Eric back there, got my back. Now, I, no bones about it. 49ers, that, that's it. That, that, that's me. I like the Titans, too, you know, hometown team. So we're, we're yeah, there we go. There we go. Titans fans. All right. So uh, Titans, 49ers, I, I, I'm in. Like, that, that's, it, that's it for me. Now, uh, UT Sports, I love UT Sports. All UT Sports. You know, softball team's playing a big game today, right? Justin, we got, what, 3 o'clock today? Is that right? Okay, all right. Justin's our, our UT sportsman over here. So, like, 3 o'clock today, lady ball, softball. So, like, all football, basketball, baseball, all that stuff, UT sports, like, I'm, I'm in. I'm in. I love those things. I love, here, here's what I love. I love a good, hot cup of coffee. Can I get an amen? Anybody? That's what I'm talking. All right, so, like, we got some coffee fanatics in the house. I, okay. Cards on the table. I'm a coffee snob, all right? Don't give me any Folgers. I want something good, all right? Like, I, I'm, 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 I'm a coffee snob when it comes to that kind of thing. Now, I'm not like the type of coffee snob that, like, if you give me a, you know, like a, a, a you know, cup of coffee that, that I might not drink normally, I'm not going to be like, get this out of my face. Like, I don't want it. Like, I'm not that bad, okay? But, but I, I like a good cup of coffee. Now, here's something else that I like. It's Memorial Day weekend. We should all get into this. Barbecue barbecue all right barbecue now I, now he, here's the thing about barbecue i love barbecue now if you have a gas grill in your backyard and you throw some burgers on it that's not barbecue that's called grilling okay so don't get your gas grill out fire it up and be like let's barbecue something that's not barbecue that is grilling if you want to barbecue you got to take a choice cut of meat and put it on a smoker and cook that joker for about 8 to 12 hours. That's barbecue, all right? So if you want to talk about that, we'll talk all day long. My lovely wife bought me a smoker back uh, at the end of last year, and we have broke that joker in 
amazingly. It's awesome. But I love barbecue. And so I, I, I love these things. And there are so many more things. And there are things that you love. You know, we could talk about those things all day and, and, and just, you know, converse back and forth about those things. But the truth of the matter is this, that we may love those things, but they don't love us back. You may think that your barbecue loves you back, but it doesn't, okay? You love it, it doesn't love you. In fact, it probably hates you because you're eating it, right? Like, I mean, it just, like, it, it's not reciprocal there. Like, we just, we love these things, but they don't love us back. And so there's not a personal love there because it's not loving us back. These things aren't loving us back. Now, we've been in Romans chapter 8 for the last five or six weeks. And we've been looking at what the Apostle Paul has laid out for us in this one chapter of the book of Romans. And we see really two major things here. The first thing that we see is that God loves us personally. God loves you and I personally. There's a personal love there that he loves us with. And so he loves us personally. So we see that in Romans chapter 8. We also see that God loves us powerfully. There is a powerful love that God loves us with. Not only is it personal, but it is also very powerful. And so and if you go all the way back to, to Romans chapter 1 and, and, and you work your way up to Romans chapter 8, what you see is you see how God has loved us personally. Because in Romans chapter 1, we see where Paul lays this out for us and basically says the world is busted, it's fractured, And you and I have worshipped the created over the creator. That's what Romans chapter 1 says, that that we have traded the creator for created things. And our hearts have chased after this, after these idols. And so because of that, there there is sin in the world. In Romans chapter 3, we see Paul lay this idea out that that we are all sinners. Now, Now that term... Sin is an archery term. We talked about this a few weeks ago. Archery term that says that we have missed the mark. And so when we say that we are sinners, there is this mark that God has created. That mark is holiness and perfection. And regardless of what you think about yourself, I hate to break it to you, but you're not making it. You're not there. You're not perfect. You're not yet holy. You're not there. And so we are missing the mark. And so that term sin means that we have missed the mark. It's an archery term that says that you've missed the mark. And so all of us, every single one of us, are at best toddlers trying to pick up an adult-sized compound bow to shoot a target that is 100 yards away. You're not getting anywhere close. I'm not getting anywhere close. None of us are making that mark. And so therefore, we are sinners. And so we move on through Romans, and what we see Paul say in Romans chapter 5 is that there is a rescue that has been given to us, and that rescue is through Jesus Christ. That at the right time, Christ died for the ungodly. And so that's you and I, that he died for us, that he gave himself up for us for rescue. And then when we get to Romans chapter 8, Romans chapter 8 starts off with this amazing statement that says, there is therefore now No condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. And Paul is responding in Romans 8.1. He is responding to Romans 1 through 7. He's responding to all of these things by saying, in light of these things, there is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. The law of the spirit of life has set us free in Christ Jesus from the law of sin 
and death. And so as Romans 8 unfolds, we see that he not only has loved us personally, but he is loving us powerfully because of what he has done for us. Not what you and I have done, because we have done nothing to earn this. We have done nothing to gain this. It is what he has done for us. And so Romans 8 shows us that God has saved us in a way that will maximize our joy, but more importantly, maximizes God's glory. And so we spent every week up until now showing how God has loved us personally. We started off with Romans 8, 1, talking about the, there's therefore now no condemnation. And then the next week we talked about the weapons that he gives us to, to kill sin. And then the next week we talked about how he gives us our best life later. That our best life is not now. Our best life is not on this earth. It can be good. It can be really, really good. It can kind of be bad sometimes too. But the beauty is, is that our best life is not now. As believers, our best life is later. And that's what we have to look forward to. And then last week we looked at how he gives us a way through our suffering. And he does all of these things because he loves us personally. It's a love that he has for us personally. So how does he love us powerfully then? We're going to pick it up in Romans 8, 31. And we're going to finish out Romans 8 today. Romans 8, 31. Scripture will be on the screen back here behind me. And if you need a Bible, we want you to have one that you can grab out at the Ridge Central table on your way out of here. Or uh, feel free to get up and grab one at any time. Romans eight thirty one says this. Paul is responding when he says what then shall we say to these things he is responding to everything that he has already spoken to already he said in light of all of these things that we've already talked about what then shall we say to these things if god is for us who can be against us he's asking a question he who did not spare his own son but gave him up for us all how will he not also with him graciously give us all things who shall bring any charge against god's elect It is God who justifies, who is to condemn. Christ Jesus is the one who died. More than that, who was raised, who is at the right hand of God, who indeed is interceding for us. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword? As it is written, and he quotes Psalm 44 here, he says, For your sake we are being killed all the day long. We are regarded as sheep to be slaughtered. Verse 37, no, in all of these things we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I'm sure that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor rulers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor anything else in all creation. Paul makes sure that that he covers all the bases, that everything here is covered. So whatever you got, whatever you want to throw out there, Paul covers it. He says anything else in all creation will be covered will be able to separate us, none of these things, will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus, our Lord. I love what John Piper wrote about this particular passage. He said this, he said, The design of this passage is not to add eternal security to a life devoted to earthly comfort. The design design is to promise eternal security to free you from a life devoted to earthly comfort. And give you the freedom and joy and courage to move toward need, not ease. And so we see here in this last part of Romans 8 that not only has God loved us personally, but he loves us powerfully. And so how does he do that? A couple of quick things. The first thing is this, is that we know that he loves us powerfully because he is for us. 
he is for us. Verse 31 says, what then shall we say to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? And so we know that, that lots of things can be against us. As believers, you know that, that things and people can be against us. Now, now, we have to back up for a second and look at that in the proper light. Like, if somebody calls you a hypocrite, right? And, and, and let's just, come on, let's just be honest. We're, we're all hypocrites, okay? All right? But here, here's the thing, because none of us are, are, are living the way and, and doing things the way that we know that in light of what God has called us to, that we're getting that right every single time. So let's be honest about it, okay? But here's the thing. Somebody calls you a hypocrite, that's not persecution. That's not, you, you're not, that's, that's not persecution. If we want to talk about persecution, let's go to China. Let's go to Turkey. Let's, let, let's go to, to places in South America. Let, let's look at real persecution. This is not, what we are experiencing is not persecution. Now, is it tough sometimes? Yeah, it's tough sometimes. Dude, are, are people against what you believe? Yes, at times. Are they going to push back? Yes, at times. But that's not real, true persecution like we see our brothers and sisters experience throughout most of the rest of the world. But we also live in light of Romans 8.28, which we talked about last week. The Romans 8.28 says that, and we know that for those who love God, all things work together for good for those who are called according to his purpose. And so in success, in failure, all things will be worked out for good for those who love him and are called. So whether we win or lose, regardless of those things, whether whatever it is that God has called you to, whatever the next thing that you step into as a believer and, and do for the glory of God, whether you succeed at that or whether you fail at that, doesn't really matter in light of Romans 8, 28, because what God is saying, he is saying, regardless of those things, he wins. He wins. And so who can be against us? If that is true, if Romans 8.28 is true, if God does indeed work all things out together for good for those who love him and are called according to his purpose, if that is true, then really, who can be against you? Who can be against us? Who can be against us as believers? If we are not under condemnation like Romans 8.1 says, and if our best life is later, even if now is good, and if God will work together things for good, all things, not just bad things, including success and failure, then who really can be against us? No one. No one. So he is for us, not only because of that, but we also know that he is for us and that he is loving us powerfully because of the very next verse, verse 32. It says, he who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all, how will he not also with him graciously give us all things? And so number two is that we know that he loves us powerfully because he did not spare his own son. If anybody has ever given you an amazingly unexpected gift, you are forever grateful for that, aren't you? Like, like, like we, we express gratitude toward those things. We are grateful for those things. When we get these unexpected, just a, a, amazing gifts, gifts we're forever grateful for those things think about the gift that if, if you're a believer think about the gift that god has given you he gave his only son now cards on the table truth be told i would not give up my son for somebody else you probably wouldn't either 
but God did. For you, for me, for sinners, for people. Get this, what Romans says in Romans 5, we'll call it Romans 5, uh, what he says in Romans 5, what he says, I'm just, it's in Romans 5, look it up, uh, but he says, <clears throat> but he says, because, because we're enemies for the ungodly, and that's what Ephesians says, that, that we were at one time enemies of God, and so enemies, would you give up the life of one of your children for enemy, for an enemy? No, but yet God does, and he did, and he gave us his son, Jesus. And so we know that he loves us powerfully because he gave us his son. He did not spare him. Uh, Isaiah says that he was crushed for our sake on the cross. And so we look at the gift that God has given us to prove his love for us in his son, Jesus, powerfully. So the second thing is that he did not spare his own son. The third thing that we know that we see here in Romans 8 that that says that he loves us powerfully is that he gives us all things. It's what the end of 32 says. It says, how will he not also with him graciously give us all things? Not only has he given us his son, Jesus, for our rescue, but he has given us even more. If we back up just a little bit in Romans 8, 17, we see that, that he has given us an inheritance because we are his children. Uh, Verse 17 says, And if children, then heirs, heirs of God and fellow heirs with Christ, provided we suffer with him in order that we may also be glorified with him. And so he has given us more than just Jesus. Now, Jesus is like the ultimate gift. We could never get a gift bigger, better, more amazing than Jesus. And so if God has given us his own son, then why would he not give us everything else? Why would he not give us everything else? Um, I have two children. I have a, a three-year-old daughter and a five-year-old son. And, and uh, before I, I was a parent, uh, and if you're a parent, you know this. You know how this works. But before I was a parent, like, as, as before Isaiah was born, like, before I ever saw him, before I ever touched him, I loved him. I loved him. And, and, and as a parent... For your children, you, you did the same thing, same thing with my daughter. Before I ever saw her, before I ever held her, I, I loved her. They have done nothing for me. They have done nothing. At, the, at this point, they have done nothing for you. They have done nothing for me. And then when they're born, all they want to do is pee on you. Right? And cry and eat all the time. Like, just all the time, right? Like, and so, that's, like, when they're first born, that's what they do. Keep you up at night. Three o'clock in the morning, feed the baby, right? That's what happens. But yet, you love them, don't you? And, and here's the thing. You would give them everything, even at that point. You would give them everything. Why? Because they are yours. Because they are yours. So imagine when Paul says that he has graciously given us all things He has already given us the greatest gift that he could ever give us in his son, Jesus. And because we are his and he is ours, why would we not also have everything else? Why would we not also be given everything else? That's what he has done for us. He has loved us before we were even here. 
And so he gives us all of these things. Number four, the fourth thing is this, that we know that he loves us powerfully because there are no charges or condemnation. We've not been charged or condemned. Verse 33, it says, Who shall bring any charge against God's elect? It is God who justifies, rather who is to condemn. Christ Jesus is the one who died. More than that, who was raised, who is at the right hand of God, who indeed is interceding for us. Romans, we already see Romans 8, 1, it says that there is therefore now no condemnation. And so we can be charged with things, but it doesn't stick. As a believer, it doesn't stick. Not a, listen, you can't even charge yourself with something as a believer that will stick. So when you want to torture yourself with your past, with your messed up, broken life, that you may currently be in, even that is not sticking. Let me paint a picture for you like this. I, long, it's not been that long ago. It's couple, maybe two years ago. I got a speeding ticket. Okay, that's, that's right. Pastor got a speeding ticket. And um, I, uh, I, as I was driving through, it was really kind of funny. My wife told me, she's like, hey, you should probably slow down because there's like always cops out here. And I'm like, yeah, 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 whatever. You know, so sure enough, got pulled over. Word to the wise, husbands, listen to your wives. Okay, now, so uh, I get pulled over, cop comes out, like, you know, and, you know, does the whole, hey, do you know how fast you were going? And, you know, you're always tempted to be like 45, you know, and you're like 57, you know, whatever. But, you know, so I was just honest. I was just like, okay, you know, yeah, I was speeding. And so he's like, yeah, you were. And so he gives me a ticket. Well, 30 days later, I go to court, and I get to court, and... Uh, you know, just show up there just to expect to pay the fine, you know, and, and just kind of move on, you know, go go through the, the whole deal. And so I'm sitting there, and as I'm sitting there, it's a really full courtroom that day. And, and, and the judge, is, he's, he seems to be like in a great mood because he's just kind of talking with everybody and joking with everybody and, and, and just, you know, talking with people. And, and the thing that I noticed, though, is like every single person that's there for a speeding ticket has to go pay the speeding ticket. And so, like, I've already written the checkout and everything. Like, I've just got it. I'm just ready to go. I'm just ready to go up to the bench and say, guilty, you know, and go pay the speeding ticket. So he calls me to the bench, and I go up. And as soon as I get there, like, he doesn't ask me. For some reason, the first question out of his mouth is not, how do you plead? You know, normally that's how it goes. Instead, this is what he says to me. He says, what do you do? I'm like, oh, really? Come on. He's like, I'm a pastor. He's like, oh, okay. Yeah, so he's kind of enlightened by that. He's like, what, what church do you pastor? I was like, Royce Baptist Church. It's uh, right. In, uh, it's just, I'm just kidding. Royce is the church next door here. I love those guys. Just kidding. They're, they're, they're fantastic. But I didn't really say that. But uh, so I told him, you know, I told him about Ridge Church and, you know, and everything. So he's asking some questions about that. And I'm, I'm kind of telling him about, you know, our church and, and everything like that. And we're having this conversation about, you know, about church. And then he says, okay, uh, so how do you plead? And I was like, well, I can't lie about this now, you know. I was like, <laughs> and so I told him, I was like, guilty. You know, he's like, yes, yes, you are guilty. He said, so the law says because you're guilty, you should pay a fine. Is that correct? Is that, he's asking me this question. I was like, yes, that's, that's what the law says. I should pay a fine because I'm guilty. I've broken the law. And he says, he says, yes. Um, so as a judge, it is my job to convict you of the law that you have broken and make you pay the fine that you have broken. And yes, 
That is correct. And he says, hmm, okay, well, how about this? Not guilty. You're free to go. And he said, what is that? And I said, that's grace. <laughs> Hallelujah. Yeah, so it's like, let's take up an offering. Let's go. Come on. No, no sorry. I was like, I was like, I was like, that's that's grace. And he says, and he says, that's correct. That is grace. Now, this is what he says. He says, now go and sin no more. You know. <laughs> In other words, don't speed. So I listen. I totally, totally broke the law. Absolutely broke the law. I was speeding. I, I and I was guilty of speeding, but that charge didn't stick and it didn't stick because the judge said you although you are guilty are not guilty not guilty and so paul writes the book of romans and most of what he writes his letters to the the other churches he writes it with sort of a a legal bend to it and so in our court system this judge could have said you are not guilty but a higher judge could have came along and no, no 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 he broke the law he is guilty, and so I overrule. And so a higher judge could always come along and overrule a, a lower court system. But he, here's the thing. This is what we see here, is that there is no higher judge than God because he is the high ruler. And so when he says, there is therefore now no condemnation, and when he says that you are not guilty, that God's elect cannot be charged, who can bring a charge against God's elect? And he says, no one. That means not even Satan. It means not even your past. It means nothing else can overrule what God has deemed not guilty. And so as a believer, if you are a follower of Christ, you cannot be charged. Even in death, death cannot even charge you and, and condemn you. That's why Paul said to, to live as Christ and to die as what? Gain. Why did he say to live as Christ and to die as gain? Because there is something better. That in death there is freedom. And not, listen, not just physical death. He, he's not just talking about physical death. He is talking a, about a spiritual life. And so a death of your uh, former self and a newness of life in the new creation that God has made you. And so who can bring a charge against God's elect? No one. No one. Christ died and was raised and sits at the right hand and he intercedes for us. And I love this picture of, of Christ interceding, sitting at the right hand of the Father. Go, and that, that term intercedes means that, that Jesus himself is standing between us and God and he's claiming us by interceding for us and saying that one there I paid his penalty I paid his debt he is covered and so your wrath I took on so that he may have life interceding for us standing in the place between God's wrath and our sin covering us redeeming us rescuing us so we know that we are loved powerfully because there is not a charge or condemnation that can be brought against us. Two more and I'll be done. Fifth one is this. 
We know that God loves us powerfully because we can't be separated. Can't be separated. Verse 35 says, Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation, distress, persecution, famine, nakedness, danger, sword? As it is written, for your sake we are being killed all the day long. We are regarded as sheep to be slaughtered. And so we can be sure of this because of what verse 34 says. Because Christ died. More than that, he was raised and he sits at the right hand who is interceding for us. And if he is interceding for us, if he has died, if he has raised, then what can separate us? I love this idea that Paul paints here that Christ is loving us now. These are the things that he is doing now. Why is he doing this now? Because tribulation, distress, persecution, famine, nakedness, danger, sore. These are the things that you, these are, this is what we experience now. This happens now for us. This is not past tense. This is not future. This is now. And so Christ is loving us through these things now. He is in love with the current version of you, not some future version of you. You get that? You put your mind around that? Can you get your head around that? Like, he is not waiting for you to, to sanitize yourself first before you come to him, before you bring yourself to him, before you come back to him. He is loving us now. Not some future, later version of ourselves. And this means that the idea of you cleaning yourself up is nothing but, but junk. Because he is the one who cleans us up, not you, him. And so if you're not a believer here this morning, then I, I would simply say this to you, that, that he has also provided a way so that the mess of you now is the mess that he accepts now through his son, Jesus. But God showed his love for us and that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. It's what Romans says what Paul says just before this. So even in the messes that we make, what can separate us? Can the mess that you've made separate? And listen, let's, let's, be, let's be truthful about this. We made the mess. But can that mess separate us? Not according to this. Finally, number six. He has made us conquerors because he has conquered the world. We know that he loves us powerfully because he has made us more than conquerors. Verse 37 says, knowing all these things, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I'm sure that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor rulers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor anything else. And that, that phrase, anything else in the Greek and the Hebrew, it's strange. It really means nothing. Nothing else. Nothing possible. can separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. And so this is what, this right here, this is what it really means to say that love wins. That love wins. That the love of Christ wins. That Jesus wins. Even in death, trial, sorrow, and pain, and suffering, and all of these things, that Jesus wins. That he wins. And because he wins, guess who else wins? You do, I do, we do. Believers, we win. And not only do we win that he has made us more 
than conquerors through him. It is through him that any trial that we face, and that's what Paul is saying here. That's what we've talked about. Most of Romans 8 is about navigating suffering and pain and, 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 and sorrow. And then he says that he loves us through those things. He loves us personally, and he brings us through those things powerfully. And so he can take any trial, sorrow, suffering, pain, sadness, and he can turn trial into triumph because he wins. Because he wins. And because he wins, we win. So as we close out this series, there's really just two simple things that that we need to just grab hold of as we sing this song here at the the end of the service. It's, It's simply this, that if you're a believer, you're a Christ follower, you've given your life to him, then the only real response to Romans 8 that any of us have as believers is, is praise, is thankfulness, is gratitude. To, to thank Him for how He has loved us personally and for how He is loving us powerfully. And those aren't past tense things. They're present tense. They're future tense. He loves us personally and he is loving us powerfully and so the only true response to that is that that we just worship that we praise him that we thank him that we have gratitude for him and so if in fact you are a believer as we close as we sing this last song here today then let let's let that be our prayer let's let that be our response of thankfulness and if you're not a believer romans 8 is full of promises that are given to God's people to those who love him and who are called according to his purpose and if that's not you you don't fit into that category then I would simply just urge you to just give your life to him to give your life to him to to, to walk away from from sin and and to repent to and, and listen that word repent means that we are going to turn from our sin and we're going to turn to the cross and we're going to turn from ourselves we're going to turn from the created things and we're going to turn back to the creator. That's what it means to repent. It means to turn away from. And so when we say that we are repenting of sin, we are simply saying, Jesus, save me. And listen, I, I'm not going to stand up here and ask you to repeat a prayer after me because if I asked you to repeat a, a prayer after me, that's you doing something that I'm telling you to do and I'm asking you to do something that God is asking you to do. And so we just simply cry out and say, Jesus, save me. Save me. The Bible is very clear that anyone who calls on the name of Christ Jesus will be saved. And I believe that. And there are many others in this room that believe that. And so as we sing this song, then let's let that be our responses. If you're not a follower of Christ, these promises can be for you. Are you under condemnation now? Yes. Can you be not under Jesus? Do you have charges that stick? You do now, but not under Jesus. So let's either celebrate those things or step into those things. Let's pray. Father God, we are grateful for how you have spoken to us in Romans 8. God, the word that you gave Paul to us that is still relevant to us even now. 
that is still helpful to us even now. So God, for those of us who are your children, who are followers, who are being made into your image, God, God, we pray that that right now, Father, that, that we are just filled with unspeakable gratitude and thankfulness for what you've done for us, how you have loved us so personally, how you are loving us powerfully, so powerful, God, that, that nothing can separate us from you, that you have held us, that you have kept us, and that you will continue to do so as we turn our hearts to you. And Father, for those who may have never given themselves over to you, Father, God, we pray for the courage and the bravery to speak with their mouth and to ask you to save them. God, that your Holy Spirit is drawing them, that is moving them, that is pushing them to confess that you are Lord, that you are Jesus, that you are rescued. So let us cry these things out with our hearts and let us live it with our lives. It's your name we pray.